I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising a Pro. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. Hello guys, Kunal and I are here on this week's episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. So we're going to start by talking about Honda because it seems like the whole paddock, the whole social media universe, the whole world and now even Mercedes, everyone is talking about Honda. Yes, hello guys, but before we actually go start and talk about Honda, here's a quick thought. Uh Honda could have single-handedly destroyed Formula 1. And wow. <laughs> I'm I'm actually very scared with that thought but let's look at it this way so Red Bull Racing was seriously contemplating a Honda power unit when a Ferrari and Mercedes power unit was difficult to come by for them we know how that whole political scenario played out and Red Bull Racing threatened to quit the okay. first time so can you imagine if if we actually had a Red Bull Racing Honda car <laughs> on the grid Can you imagine what could have actually happened? So both Red Bull Racing and Toro Rosso's they thankfully with Renault right now but had they partnered with Honda we would have actually been absolutely doomed. There have been like <laughs> six GP2 cars racing in Formula 1. I think the only silver lining would have been that we would have gotten to see Alonso battling with Verstappen. Something that's not happened still really on the grid. <laughs> but Kunal before we discuss this depressing depressing thought and all our viewers or listeners start tuning out here's what we have in store for this week's episode so of course we're going to start by wondering what if everyone had honda engines kunal <laughs> <laughs> we're also going to discuss fernando alonso and his strategy to win at the indy 500 and we also look forward to the upcoming russian grand prix will the cold weather hold ferrari back and we tell you why hulkenberg could basically be a villain and uh, how bernie says vettel is a friend but doesn't really back him for this year's world championship title <laughs> i didn't know bernie had friends but okay <laughs> <laughs> his best friend is flavio briotoli i'm and judging Vladimir you putin <laughs> kunal russian grapri and all of that anyway back to how honda could have destroyed formula 1 so i'm going to say thank god and thank you mclaren for vetoing this partnership you know if this had happened I don't think Max Verstappen would have been known as the talent of the century and all those generous <laughs> things we've been calling him. <laughs> and suddenly Fernando Alonso would not be the only great slow driver on the grid. In fact, honestly Kunal, maybe we won't have even known that Max Verstappen is a great driver yeah. because he would have been so bloody slow. And to think of it possibly Stoffel Vandoorne is facing that right now. So is Honda's underpowered and underperforming engine marring his future prospects already? Who knows? I can also tell you that Red Bull Racing might not have been as patient with Honda as McLaren have been. We really remember well how they dropped Danny Kvyat after his podium and man they dropped him like a hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> and here is where I shall quote the great Bernie Ecclestone. So he had said when he was running his own racing team that the easiest to change in a car is a driver. And uh, anyway, uh, there is now talk that Mercedes is offered help to Honda to get their engine up to pace. 
and this is while uh, Ecclestone has anyway quoted that Mercedes actually helped Ferrari between last season and this as well. So I'm not too surprised. <laughs> while they're at it, maybe they can help Renault too. You know <laughs> why not? <laughs> but this is exactly where I go back to my smartest suggestion to Formula One ever. I really hope when Ross Brown listens to this podcast, he is making notes because. I have been saying this since 2014 that Formula One should give everyone Mercedes engines. And imagine if Mercedes has helped Ferrari and now is about to help Honda, and we've suggested they help Renault too. Possibly every engine on the grid could be like a Mercedes engine. And uh, if not, we should just give everyone Honda engines you know, <laughs> from one end of the grid to the absolute other. And uh, think of it this way: if the entire field is slow. McLaren won't really feel that much slower to all of us. <laughs> If you can't go faster, like make everyone slower, <laughs> works well. But this whole piece about Mercedes helping Honda—that's a really, really interesting one, Kunal. I'm wondering if it's fair, you know, to the other teams, to us as fans, for that matter. So I'm not really sure if it's fair because this is competition after all, and either all the slow teams get help or none of them do, and. Uh, Let's also re remember it this way: that Formula One is eventually like a capitalist regime. And back to my thoughts about the fans, I'm thinking that this is great for the fans simply because this is as close to giving everyone a Mercedes engine as we could possibly <laughs> get. So we'd love to see Fernando Alonso battling higher up the order. Oh yes. We anyway know that we have a Ferrari versus Mercedes battle on our hands. I cannot wait to see Honda joining in on that battle and that too with Alonso. That would be pretty awesome. Or Button if you're in Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, basically that could mean a competitive Formula One, and eventually that's what we all want, whether it's the fan or it's Liberty Media. And uh, there's a good chance that Liberty Media has enabled this too, because this could work wonders for the business of Formula One. And let's remember, they're in it for the absolute business sense. And this help from Mercedes is possibly why Sauber is also keen on signing up Honda for 2018, because I can think of no other reason. <laughs> yeah, so there is a good chance that if none of this works out, Sauber Honda will be the only Honda power team on the grid, and McLaren will possibly look elsewhere. They'll they'll be forced to have a feeling. That's very interesting, and I'm also wondering how this could impact the brand of Honda globally. I mean, the road car business. Yeah, that's a good point because eventually all these car manufacturers are competitors in the global automobile industry, and uh, but so here's the funnier part. So after the Bahrain Grand Prix, uh, Formula One organized a tire test in Bahrain, and McLaren Honda did 81 laps of testing on the final day. And guess what? Even they're not sure of how and why they had such a good test by <laughs> McLaren and Honda standards. Maybe McLaren has just forgotten how to read data from fast racing cars. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the best best part about all this is that Fernando Alonso might not look outside of Formula One. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's already off to Indy and. There's this news about Alonso that he's been badly advised in his career in Formula One, and if you were to actually consider who his advisors are or who his key advisor is, that's Flavio Briatore, you'll find it a little difficult to disagree with that piece of news that Alonso has been badly advised. If and only he'd listened to a podcast more often, Gunal. <laughs> I think he'd have a lot of good advice coming his way. And uh, yes, before I get piled onto for this Briatore comment, uh, yes, I admit that. He did lead Benetton to a double world championship with a lot of controversies, of course, 
but I will still not forgive him for what he's done to the sport or what he did to the sport and to Felipe Massa at the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix. With that said, this entire move to Indy 500, this seems well advised for Fernando Alonso. Let's hope. <laughs> Kunal, you saw pictures of Alonso in his Indy 500 racing car, didn't you? Yes. You put it on our Facebook page, in <laughs> fact. An Andretti Honda car. Guys, do check it out. It looks pretty, pretty <laughs> awesome. But that's a strange thing. So he's in America between Formula 1 races. And that's usually what Lewis Hamilton does, right? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, uh, the two-times world champion Fernando Alonso will actually go through a rookie orientation program. So can you imagine from a world champion to a rookie? But that's what he'll actually have to do if he wants success at the Indy 500. He's got natural talent. He will, of course, have to learn to cope up to high-speed oval racing. And uh, uh, let me also put it this way, that a step backwards doesn't necessarily mean lack of progress. In fact, I think for Alonso's career, this is a step on the sideways. Kunal, when did you become so wise? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the rookie Fernando Alonso has also got him himself a new coach. The coach goes by the name of Jill De Ferran. He is a former Indy 500 winner and a two-times Indy car champion himself. So, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because this just shows that Alonso is actually targeting the win. He's put together a team that can give him the best chance for victory. And we should remember that Alonso said he's actually going to observe one Pablo Montoya, who's a former uh, Indy 500 champ, and learn from him on his debut weekend. Alonso has also found support in Jacques Villeneuve. That's rare. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, speaking of Villeneuve, he's called Hulkenberg a Rosberg. Okay, that's very confusing, but yes. And this is for basically saying that he wouldn't miss an F1 race for Indy or any race for that matter. And uh, let me let me remind my friend Nico Hulkenberg that Formula One is no longer. Uh, run by Bernie Ecclestone and the new owners seem pretty cool and open to such ideas. So, <laughs> if he thinks of skipping a Formula 1 race, it probably will be encouraged. And uh, uh, if Nico Hulkenberg is actually a Rosberg that's being compared to a world champion driver, a one-time world champion, which, by the way, let me remind our listeners, Jax Wilnum also is... I'm sure Hulkenberg doesn't mind the comparison in many ways. <laughs> Kunal, my, my mind is just flashing back to the last time when someone got called a Rosberg. And that was Valtteri Bottas <laughs> when he was called Rosberg by mistake. So it's pretty funny how Nico Rosberg is popping up everywhere and anywhere despite being nowhere on the grid this season. And, uh, you know, for, for Hulkenberg, so he's a no-podium driver and he's being compared to a world champion. So clearly that's, that's, that's like a progress in his comparison ranks. Not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, talking of Hulkenberg, his former teammate Sergio Perez is back in the news. Will he or will he not race for Ferrari in 2018? Uh, I remember last season or the season before last year, a massive push in PR about him driving for Ferrari. And I'm guessing it's the start of that same PR push. And this is the question during the rounds of the paddock. And a key point to remember is Sergio Perez is actually a former member of the Ferrari Driver Academy. And he let go of that membership when he joined McLaren a few seasons back. And of course, reunions are not a surprise in Formula One. I wouldn't be too surprised anyway. And you know, given how much I love Kimi Raikkonen and how much I love Checo Perez, I don't think I'd be too uh, unhappy with the replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Perez does deserve a quicker car and he's actually been waiting very patiently for it. So, I'm keen to see which way this needle swings for him. I'm also waiting to see what happens to Carlos Sainz. 
So Red Bull Racing have said that there are no more to let signs go anywhere. Well, that's a good thing because <laughs> I really like Carlos Sainz. And I know you we, do. We've spoken of Red Bull Racing's problem of plenty in the past. And something tells me that whichever way this settles, neither of the three drivers, that's Ricciardo, Verstappen and Sainz, will be disappointed. And that's actually a good thing for Formula 1. And for us fans, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the one problem that Red Bull Racing will have in the future is that of a competitive engine. So... Can they and will they ever win a world championship with a customer engine? And uh, there's talk that Red Bull Racing is already pushing for an independent engine supplier. And uh, of course, the current manufacturers are blocking it. And this means that Red Bull Racing has already started to issue quit threats <laughs> again. <laughs> so this is the exact reason why Formula One politics is more interesting for me than geopolitics and global politics and Putin and Barack Obama and, and despite this Donald, bit, uh, Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Red Bull Racing. By the way, Kunal, you'll be very excited to know. So our Formula One viewing experience is only going to get better. So Ross Braun has said that secrecy should be done away with and that all relevant data should be made available to the fans. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So, you know, the three screens you sit with to watch the race, I think they're going to be like a little too few. <laughs> You'll probably need like 10 screens to suck in all the data. And uh, I love the idea of having a pit wall in front of me while watching the race, especially if it's about my favorite drivers, which are quite a few, I must admit. And uh, But I, I also admit that there are times when I get lost in the multiple tire strategies. So I'm hoping there's a fix to that. There's also talk of Wi-Fi at the race venues, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this will surely churn up the social media chatter. Snapchat! But, <laughs> but above everything else, Formula One should bring back Kangaroo TV, which is the trackside television handset or rather the trackside video handset, which everyone could rent out and watch uh, the race live on and hear commentary, you know, while in your seats. But the strange part in this whole Ecclestone Braun thing ha is that Ecclestone has called Braun a cheater. And I frankly don't know who to believe. So here's Braun doing what Ecclestone could have and should have done a long, long time ago. Basically try and resurrect Formula One. And uh, then there's Ecclestone who's saying that the organizers are paying too much and the engineers are winning races and not the drivers. But Mr. Ecclestone, who and what stopped you from making these changes while you were at the helm of affairs for what, 40 years or some, yeah. some humongous <laughs> number? And there's actually proof because Bayes' F1 Fanatics fan ratings, the 2017 Bahrain Grand Prix was the second highest rated in the history of all the Bahrain races. Wow. Wow. I'm not surprised. And, and Kunal, it rated second only to the 2014 edition, the one that saw Rosberg and Hamilton go wheel to wheel. The so, last time we saw wow. them. <laughs> <laughs> this could then mean that the upcoming Russian Grand Prix is possibly under a lot of pressure. And uh, let's remember it's a lovely track. It's got that lovely left-handed corner where we've seen four cars go abreast. And uh, I'm really hoping for yet another cracker of a race. Indeed, and I'm really hoping that the Ferrari versus Mercedes battle will resume. So the quick question, or rather the only question for me is, who will be on top? Will it be a Sebastian Vettel or Lewis Hamilton? Before you answer, Kunal, I'm going to remind you that Bernie Ecclestone has 
chosen Hamilton as his winner for 2017. Wow. <laughs> He's obviously also said that Vettel is a friend, but Hamilton will win given his talent and how relaxed he is this year. <laughs> Basically, he's rating Hamilton's talent above Vettel. That's scary. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if Vettel considers Ecclestone a friend though. <laughs> In general and after all these statements. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'll pick Vettel even though there's this whole talk of how the cold weather at Russia might not suit the Ferrari. Nikki Lauda has been praising Vettel and that's honest, honestly. Wow. <laughs> but that's also very strange because that's also balancing the Ecclestone Hamilton remark. <laughs> I think basically Nikki Lauda praises whoever Hamilton is competing against. <laughs> Anyone but Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, last year it was Rosberg, now it's Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think I will choose Vettel too. He's never won in Russia, in fact. And Interestingly enough, no other team but Mercedes has ever won in Russia. So maybe it's time to change that. Yeah, and if you're a fan tuning in from Russia who's thinking or who's on the fence whether or not to attend the Russian Grand Prix, you better go buy those tickets and be in the grandstand because we definitely have uh, you know, a battle on hands and there could be a chance that a new team and a new driver will win. And... Uh, by the way, in the Bahrain tyre test, Ferrari had an electronics failure uh, uh, in their garages and uh, that's possibly their bad luck that's already played out and that too in a not-so-relevant test. So that's good news for Ferrari. Gunal, I'm just wondering what happens if Formula E teams have an electric failure in their garage. <laughs> <laughs> All this talk while Ferrari is possibly considering Formula E as well. And uh, in my set of predictions, I also predict that Williams will have the fastest pit stop of the race yet again you know it's so good that bigger tires no problem we will still manage a sub two and a half second pit stop so kudos williams by the way speaking of pit stops i really hope that mercedes have sorted out their wheel gun issues and i'm really hoping that the bahrain kit did not come over to sochi <laughs> <laughs> Uh, will the Russian Grand Prix be the first GP since many years where Mercedes will outrightly back their number one driver, Lewis Hamilton in this case? Will Bottas and Raikkonen compete or are they just going to add to their numbers? I mean the number two status. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Honda has announced a reliability upgrade for Russia. And I'm guessing that this upgrade was possibly after the test where they did those 81 laps, which could mean good news. But I'm still keen to see if Fernando Alonso will decide to retire his car a few laps from the end if he isn't in the points. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also hopeful that no Honda driver will start his race on the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, will Force India be in the double points? Too tough to call. The midfield is absolutely close. And uh, Force India claim or somebody's claim that Force India is over-delivering. And that's classically Indian, don't you think? Like, superly efficient. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Renault, I am not too sure. Well, they between Bahrain and Russia, they've launched a concept 2030 racing car. Kunal, I cannot understand why they would waste resources, valuable resources, doing something like that when they're languishing at the bottom in Formula <laughs> 1. You know, someone needs to just go and tell them to get their priorities right. Guys! <laughs> Finally, as we look forward to Russia, the big question is, will Bernie Ecclestone's absence mean that Vladimir Putin will give the race a miss too? Frankly, I don't care. As long as the Russian <laughs> fans throng the circuit. Adios.
me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.